was biking around. Leroy, stop. I'm talking about a tender story. <laughs> Tom Petty. Tom Petty Rogers. Tom Petty. Hey, Tom Petty Rogers. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. You're joining me for a bonus guest episode of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host. Kevin Brown. Um, a very Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you've all had time to rest and relax and spend some time with friends and loved ones. Um, my family welcomed a brand new edition just last week when my brother and sister-in-law uh, brought Jackson Reed Jacobs into our tribe. Um, I actually had the chance to go over today and have some baby snuggles, which took me the power of good because, you know, who doesn't love holding a, a shiny new five-day-old human? Wonderful. Uh, today's episode isn't strictly part of the Guest Ember series, but as I've been busy with family over the past few days, I haven't had a chance to write the episode for Out in the Cold yet, which is the next song we're looking at from in, uh, Into the Great Wide Open. So this bonus episode is a fairly short conversation I had with the superb Milwaukee-based musician Trapper Shep, real name, just in case you're wondering. Um, we had some technical issues getting started, so we only had a little less than an hour to chat. But it was a fun, fast-paced conversation that I hope you have as much fun listening to as I had being on one side of. Uh, please make sure you check out Trapper's website and his Bandcamp page, where the promo code WILDFLOWERS will get you 40% off anything that Trapper is selling at the moment. Um, I've got a couple of vinyl copies of his last two records winging their way to me as we speak, and I can't wait to spin those up once they arrive. Anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy my rambling conversation with Trapper Shep. So is first question for you, it is an easy question for you. Is Trapper your birth name or is that an affectation? I was kind of curious about, because it's an unusual name if it's a real name. So. Do you know what's funny is my best friend from college was just here this weekend and he reminded me of this wild story when we got a noise complaint okay. at our old house and the cop um, pulled me aside and he said, is this your you know, your house. Yes. What, what's your name? Trapper Shep. <laughs> You're going to have to, what is your, what is your real name? Okay. I'm not pulling your leg. Let me go get my ID. Yeah. So yeah if I just flash my ID, that's the easiest way to deal with that question. But yeah, my brother's name is Tanner. Um, my parents were fans of like MASH. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, there was a Trapper John, I think. So it was like in the cultural zeitgeist, maybe the name. Um, yeah. Of course, it's kind of evolved into a whole different thing, the word Trapper. But um, yeah, dude, real name. It's a great name for a rock and roll star, right? I mean, that's perfect. You've already got a leg up when you've got a name like that. And so Shep, is that is that Dutch or German? German, yeah, O-E. So yeah. you got it. I'm brought up in Red Wing, Minnesota. I read, is that right? The boots are from um, Red Wing Boots, if you've heard of those. And I grew up in Ellsworth, which is famous for the uh, cheese curds we have, uh, the squeaky cheese curds. It's like the pre-cheese white curd, yeah. and it's salty, sweet goodness. It is our finest export. Well, Canadians use that all the time in poutine, right? So, I mean, if there's no cheese yes, curds, sir. there's no poutine, so. Yes, sir. I knew I liked you. <laughs> I don't eat it, Trapper. I can't eat the stuff, but, okay. but it's... It. gravy on fries is just not a I, gravy. Shouldn't go on potatoes as far as I'm concerned, but there we go. Um, so I got sort of 
hipped onto your music a little bit by some of the stuff you posted, like obviously covering Tom Petty and posting those videos online. But then going back and looking at your catalog, man alive, you've done a lot of music. You've made a lot of records. I know. I know. I I was doing a gig two weeks ago with a musician that I'd never played with. And we did like a three hour set. And I realized that we didn't play any songs from two two of my albums even. And I was like, dude, we had a lot, lot long ways to go. Yeah, I can't help myself. I always figure if we're turning the mics on to record something, you might as well do 10 to 12 tunes. So I love writing. Tom Petty has been a huge inspiration Uh, for me, most notably on my album, Primetime Illusion, that I did with a a great producer named Patrick Sansone, who's helped uh, produce a lot of uh, Petty tribute shows around America, funny enough. Okay. Yeah, he's he's been a huge inspiration to me since I, I was a little guy, so... Well, on that album, there's the the song "What You Do to Her," and that, like I said, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, that's got the same heart and skin as a mind with a heart of its own." And it's yeah. even got some, some of the Mike Campbell licks in there. Like I was like, "Yeah, this is definitely I'm, this is my guy. I can listen to this." Yeah, you know that album, more particular, the day Tom Petty uh, passed, I bike down to lake michigan and i listened to um walls and free fall and all my favorite tunes i just kind of watched the water ebb flow come back and forth and was was thinking to tom and and everything i got home and i sat at my kitchen table and i wrote shakedown um which is about a a young pilot who is uh navigating his time in the sky flying fighter jets along the american border and then i wrote a song called it's over and i wrote both of those tunes with uh with tom petty sitting at my kitchen table so uh the go you know thinking of tom everyone always you know we miss our our rock and roll figures when they leave us but really they've already left us the best the best companion they they could and it's their their music their albums so yeah he's he's all he's he's with me well i was there's another comparison that i saw i found a i always look for that right you know when you everyone's got influences and if petty's an influence it crops up in different ways and i'm currently going through the into the great wide open album right now and obviously full moon fever before that and of course that period of tom's songwriting is marked by jeff lynn's production and collaboration and Jeff Lynn famously does not care about how the song's going to be performed on stage he works on the song as a contained unit and then you know you figure that out after and I find a lot that in a lot of your music is I don't know that you can play a lot of your stuff as it's recorded on stage because you'd need you know you'd need probably 15 musicians so it seems you've got that same ethos that well I'll write the song and I'll make the song as good as it can possibly be and then I'll figure out the, the performance later Guess how much I care about the performance. <laughs> Not very much, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely different experience. I mean, it's not even, you know, the musicians that go out and play what they record, that's that's great. I think it's, it's really cool. It's great for the fan if that's what they want. But if I'm going to go to a concert, I want to see... Uh, 
see a musician kind of not just you know going through the motions i want to see a musician evolving changing with the song saying that i saw tom patty um at summer fest this was a show 2017 tour um not long before he passed i uh was biking around here i stop i'm talking about a tender story <laughs> i biked around Summerfest, the uh entryway there and i was listening to chris stapleton play and i, w- I was gonna go to the show i just knew that the folks selling tickets outside the prices would drop more and more as yeah. so i got a dollar ticket and my buddy had the vip seats and he called me up and he's like, dude, just like, come with me. I'll use my buddy's VIP ticket. Drew Olson, I love you. 93, <laughs> 97.3, the game. Drew, I love you. He's so sweet. Um, and yeah, I, you know, he did American Girl at the end. I ran up to the stage. I was just like, you know, uh, girl seeing the Beatles, Beatlemania. It was, it was it was amazing for me. I've gr- I grew up with Full Moon Fever in my dad's Suburban. I listened to that CD a million times. Tom Petty just feels like a long lost uncle to me, a family member, someone I could just kind of hang with, uh, which I think differentiates him from other rock stars that, you know, I might have idolized growing up. But anyway, yeah, his music has always just kind of been in the air. It's always felt like, uh, for lack of a better word, like the furniture in the room. It's it's a piece of our cultural conversation. And uh, not to get too sidetracked, but this weekend in my basement here, which is kind of a little rock and roll warehouse, uh, this weekend we did this big Christmas party that I've been doing for um, God, this was the eighth year where me and my friends get together and don't sing Christmas tunes. We sing (laughs) tunes that are kind of like sad or, or whatever. And then we make these like really funny booklets and I'm going to see if I can find one. You bet. Uh, Gosh, give me, give me one second so I can just show you. Yeah, so we make these silly booklets every year, like um, okay. was on it one year. Um, this was the second one. Tom Jones was on it one year. Um, this was the virtual year we did. Um, but I bring this up because Tom Petty has always been very featured and loved in these, um, especially since his passing. So right here is the Tom Patty Memorial, and I will hold it up for your viewers to see. Um, so we did Free Fallin' and Learning to Fly, and it's like, it's a caroling event. So me and all my best friends um, get together. We sing Tom Petty songs. Um, those who drink, drink and be merry. Um, but yeah, it's just a really wholesome uh tradition and it gets to my point of tom petty sort of just being a uh you know for lack of a better word a staple you know amongst so many people we all have 
these memories of Tom Petty's music. And at that event, we went around and everyone in the room talked about like a Tom Petty song that means something to them or how they got yeah. into Tom Petty, a special Tom Petty memory. So that is in a way a little bit different than a lot of, um, again, musicians that I love is there's just kind of like bond with his music. Uh, he, he feels like family for whatever reason. There's a strange thing he has, right? Because he's universal. I mean, I'm not, I'm not American, but he's also is very American, but he manages to sort of keep those two, those two things going at the same time. So anybody can appreciate Tom, but he is like, I mean, he played, I think 85, 90% of the gigs he ever played were played in the U S he didn't travel much outside. He talked about, you know, American things quite often, but again, he still had that universality, which yeah. I always find very, very interesting when you can do that. I wanted to talk to you because you mentioned um, your album, primetime illusion, um, and the songs, that, the two Tom Petty songs that you've fully recorded and put out, so Free Fall In and Walls, I was going to ask you, were they recorded round about those same sessions then? Yeah, they were like very close. Um, the Free Fallen one, it, it, it is funny, um, you know, slightly cliche for a guy to put out a Tom Petty Free Fallen cover not long after he passes. But I had recorded that song for my friend's wedding because he asked, if I could come play his wedding. And I said, uh, unfortunately, I cannot come play your wedding. However, uh, I could go into the studio for a few hours and just record Free Fallen for you. And then you can just have that. It'll sound better than me being there. Oh, man. So we did that instead. And then it turned out well. And we just put it out there. And, you know, when the chorus hits, we kind of come down. I try not to sing up. And that's kind of slightly out of respect for Tom, his passing, his spirit. It's not always about um, like reaching for the high notes. It's not always about like hitting that peak, hitting that chorus. With Tom Petty, he is a great philosopher and there's as much wisdom in just one lyric, like learning to fly, ain't got wings, coming down, hardest thing learning to fly around the clouds, what goes up must come down. <laughs> He's such a great um, like philosopher and yeah. his lines pack so much weight. They're so dense. He has like the economy of words thing down um, totally. So, but you, again, though, so, so do you trapper, trapper again. I mean, I was listening to, cause you know, if, if you think, if I think about down the torpedoes to wildflowers, in terms of Tom's growth as a songwriter, as a musician, as a studio craft person, there's a marked difference between those two albums. And I think there's also a pretty marked difference between, oh, I'm trying to think now, um, Rangers and Valentines, which was 2016, I think, for you. Yeah. And then this last album, Siren Songs, it's almost got the, the same sort of, the same sort of growth in them where this last album that you did siren songs is a lot it feels more i won't say introspective yeah. exactly but it's a lot more sure. intimate and personal it is it is yes yeah correct uh yes there's like there's a lot to unpack there but you look at tom pet you look at tom petty's work uh as it evolved on albums like let's say highway companion yeah or uh they're more introspective he's looking more inward with that music it 
brings you into one room with him versus a stadium. So that, I mean, definitely that's what I'm trying to do with my music. I feel like there is a tendency amongst a lot of young artists to like overcook their work and just like, you know, Hey, you can have an orchestra on this. Okay. You can have backup singers on this. And when you're young, uh, all those things seem very exciting. And the older I get, the more I'm interested in uh, how can we take, you know, a very simple line, you know, like Tom Petty has done. How can we just, how can we do something really simply? Uh, And that's something he was so great at, of course, Wildflowers. He just, the famous story is, uh, you know it, I know it, your listeners know it. He sat down and it just, it just came out of him. He was, you know, what do they say? Like a conduit for it. He was just like a medium for the song. And honestly, I, you know, that happens a lot, you know, and it's, it's for me, that kind of thing does happen quite a bit. Of course they're not hit songs, (laughs) but um, that sort of thing does happen. I don't think it, maybe is as magical as as you might think it's like you're just working your subconscious and um training it to go down certain paths and he i mean he he was just a master he was the guru he was the the uh absolute philosopher of rock which is why he's in the traveling wilburys i mean like the youngest (laughs) so it it is cool i mean there is that sort of when you're when you're a professional musician or when you're a, a songwriter, I think part of that is is learning to trust. Yeah, this feels right, and I'll go with this now, rather than tr- like you said, rather trying to force it and say, "Oh, maybe I could do this and do this." Well, stick to the song first and let the song show itself. And I love, I like songwriters that put little moments into their songs. And I was thinking about on um, your album and on Siren Songs, this last album. There's a little, super little tasty piano solo in Seven Mile Fair. Or there's this, there's the female vocal uh, on Anna Lee, but it's just at the end. So you get that female harmony vocal just at the end, and you only use it in that one spot. So it gives yeah. you this, it gives you this little moment in this song. And there's lots of those peppered through Tom's career, and you know, I'd, I'd say like someone like John Prine and, and Todd Snyder. They they do the same things, right? Where they they try and find interesting ways to move songs along without them being overdone and overproduced and overworked, yeah. like you said. Hats off to uh, Patrick Sansone. Again, he is a brilliant producer. His his work with with Wilco is obvious, but he's he's he has been on so many projects throughout the years, working with artists like um, like Robin Hitchcock and Emma Swift. Were just two things that came to mind that were were most recent. But he he is incredible, and he he's like a total scholar of song. Get him talking about Elvis. Get him talking about Tom Petty. Get him talking about uh, any artist. You know, like New Wave. We can go like ambient. We can go um, British folk music. He is just a textbook for this stuff. Right. And that is that's the kind of people I like working with that are more not 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 fans necessarily, but they are they they really appreciate music and they love how artists like a Jeff Lynne or whatever would really kind of look at a song like the sculpture that they can um, really work nicely and pepper in those little things. 
So does that then, when you go into the studio with someone like that, does that change how those songs evolve then? Like, are you sort of editing on the fly in the studio while you're bouncing ideas off your producer? Yeah. Or do you come in with things pretty fully formed and you know how they sound in your head? I would say every song is just different, truly. You know, you, yeah. you never... Um, like on my album that we just did, I went in with that song Secrets of the Breeze and I played it like really quiet finger style. And then I played it for the guys like that. And then maybe I had an espresso or something. And then I said, you could also do it like this. And I played it in a more lively Irish um, sort of water boys sort of thing. And we just, we went in there and it probably took, 15 minutes and we had the you know what i mean like if you find the people that work uh in the studio find the musicians that you share lang a language with yeah it's pretty easy to just find something find the groove or whatever you know my songwriting is is uh rooted in a, the tradition of of songwriters like tom petty and folk musicians like Bob Dylan before me. So I'm not necessarily reinventing the wheel, right? I'm just like adding a, a very small chain to this never ending, you know? Yeah, but it's it it's influenced by all those people, but it's still and that's the that's yeah. the thing, that's the trick with a really good artist is it still you've got to it got still gotta sound like you. Because if you're trying yeah. to sound like someone else, then it just doesn't fly right. Then it's just a then it's a rip off, and then it's boring. Like you said, I want to hear someone's original voice. So, talking to Dylan though, that's interesting because it brings me on to on Wisconsin, and I'm really curious how the heck that turned about. So maybe tell my listeners what that yeah, song is, where it came from. Um. Well, when Bob Dylan was 20 years old, he was a ragamuffin guy uh, trying to figure out where he fit in, and he went to. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, where he saw Woody Guthrie perform in the flesh for the very first time. And, or sorry, Pete Seeger. And that gave him the gusto to go out to New York City. And he met these guys in the union in at the school in Madison. And he took a ride out to New York City and he slept on couches and floors and played harmonica for pennies and cups of soup for a few months or whatever he did. Got a deal with Columbia Records. And on the day he went into the recording studio to begin work on his first album, he wrote a song about uh, Wisconsin, which was his last stop for New York. And it's this beautiful tune, uh, very simple, it's like a Woody Guthrie folk song. It's like, uh, yeah, Wisconsin is a dairy state. Yes, you all know it well. I was in Wauwatosa, the truth I will tell. So it's just very simple. Like, this yeah. is where I sort of folk tune. And it didn't make the cut on that first studio album. And then 57 years later, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this article that said 30,000 dollar for uh bob dylan wisconsin lyric sheets auction yada 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 i was like well i can't afford that but i could probably finish the song so i finished the song i put it out there on the world wide web and 
I nudged my manager who lived in LA to throw out some Hail Mary passes. And uh, eventually we got the, the man to hear it. And we got an agreement in place. And I published the song with Bob Dylan, a song about Wisconsin that I finished that he started nearly six decades before. So yeah, pretty cool. A co-writing credit with Bob, which I'm sure Tom Petty has himself yeah. from the Wilburys. So. But not many people do, though, right? Because Dylan, Dylan wrote so much on his own that he didn't usually need anyone else to co-write with him. But I was, it was fun, too, because the video for that song, I wanted to ask you about how that came along, because there's a lot of Wisconsin. in that video. And, and I mean, I was like, hey, that's Butch Vig. I know that guy. Yeah. So it's a lot of people with uh, Wisconsin roots who you yeah. might not no, they had Wisconsin roots. Uh, musicians ranging from the Violent Femmes, uh, Victor DeLorenzo, to the lead singer of the Bodines, Kurt Newman, to, um, as you mentioned, Butch Vig. And then we have in there all sorts of like film stars, uh, Mark Borchart, who did uh, a famous movie called uh, uh, American Movie, I believe is the name, who's, and he's my neighbor. And just a lot of great, friendly neighborhood Wisconsin people. So, okay. So I wanted to ask you about that too, then, because obviously, you know, the, the well, obviously, but the thing to do if you're an aspiring rock and roller is to move to LA. But you stayed, Wisconsin is home for you. That, what's what's the so expensive and so hot? <laughs> And so many desperate people there, no offense. Yeah. It's cool, I love it. I love California. I love all the neighborhoods in LA are really fun. Um, it's it's just pretty expensive and secluded from um, the rest of America. It's just a long haul to get out there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, well, I've got two other, two other things about your music I wanted to ask you. Um, Bay Beach Amusement Park. When I tripped yeah. over that one, I was like, this is this is surf rock and this is just like a it's almost like it's kid it's kids music slightly, you know? I dude, look, I grew up worshiping worshiping Woody Guthrie and all yeah. this stuff. I'm not too I'm not above making a 50s rockabilly tribute to an amusement park. Yeah. Whatsoever. I will do that. It's silly. It passes the time. We were going through a very difficult moment politically in America. And I just wanted to do something that was left turn. But still, the songs have their have their uh, universal quality. They're not obviously just about amusement park rides. They're all, it's all metaphor. Of course. But um, yeah, that, that was a fun album. And we made these really great shirts that say this isn't fun anymore on them. Um, I could grab one right now and show you. We made those um, and because it's a lyric from one of the songs. There was a little boy yep. on the park ride screaming, this isn't fun anymore. Stop the ride. <laughs> and we made these uh, we made these terrific t-shirts, which I'll show you. And you can uh, get them on my website, trappershep.com or my band camp <laughs> or whatever. But it is like 
the best t-shirt ever, <laughs> you know, and during the pandemic, you know, the thing really supported us and kept us going because yeah. people all over the world started buying them and kind of um, applying it to whatever their uh, situation was. And then they'd take the picture and put it on Instagram. Yeah. But you, so, so you've got, I mean, okay. So you've got that. That's 2017. You did that, that album or is it album or EP? I'm never, I'm never sure. What's the cutoff between an album and an EP? Yes. I'm never sure. Yes. It's like eight or 10 songs. This is an album. So. So, and so you got that, and then you've got a, like a song like Freight Train, which is, you know, it's it's a cover, but it's this really sort of upbeat thing where you are pushing your voice and you are stretching. Then we get to your latest single, Long Black Veil, which is the complete polar opposite of that, where it's a lot more of a, it's it, it kind of, for me, it sits in that same place as Billy Austin by Steve Earle, or I Hung My Head by Sting, where it's this sort of epic tragedy this 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 Shakespearean tragedy about this guy who takes the hit and and well I mean maybe tell the story of, of what the song's about for my listeners yeah I mean if you don't know the 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 song it's a uh, an old country song by Lefty Frizzell and it's about a man it's about a love triangle that has gone south um one man was uh with his best friend's lady which is not cool for those <laughs> thinking about it. And um, the best friend's lady, and there is a murder, and he is framed that he's the murderer. And even though he has an alibi with his best friend's wife, he would rather be dead than his best friend know that he uh, slept with his wife. So a definite tragic tale, but Johnny Cash did a famous version of it and uh we just did an album down at johnny cash's cabin where uh tom petty and the heartbreakers recorded a bunch of songs with um johnny in the kitchen okay so they have they have expanded this whole studio now out um but tom and johnny recorded a bunch in the kitchen where um, we made our coffee and at our cliff bars and there was a drummer, um, John Radford recorded the drums in the kitchen, but they've expanded since. But let me tell you, there is a true uh, atmosphere in that room. I was no gonna doubt. Ask, I was gonna ask about that because yeah. I, I've talked to people about that before about, you know, if you go into the big room at Abbey Road and you sit down at that piano, the, you know, a million songs have been recorded on. Of course, it's just an instrument. And it's not imbued with any sort of psychic thing, but I think that when you go into a space like that with the weight of the history of what's happened in that room, it's going to inspire you to play differently or or see things differently. So it's got that impact, I think, yes. right? If it, if it didn't, I would be slightly concerned you're a psychopath. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you just didn't recognize that, yeah. it's... Um, yeah, it was a remarkable experience. And if you listen to the album, it's it sounds as if you're kind of in this cabin with five five people um, yeah. all telling these stories, all trying to communicate something. And it feels cohesive because we all just sat in the same spots. Patrick um, Sansone played. Um, June's piano, her upright piano, 
Um, so he sat there, he played that, the whole record. Um, wow. I sat in the little fish isolation booth with Johnny's 1930s shit kicker guitar. And they called it the shit kicker because Johnny had passed his guitar around to friends for his whole life. His friends would play it. And one night um, he had friends by that were trying out new tunes and he passed this guitar over from uh, Bob Dylan, who had tried Ray Lady Ray for the first time, to Joni Mitchell, who did both sides now for the first time, to Chris Christopherson, who did me and Bobby McGee. And last but not least, Shel Silverstein did a boy named Sue. And then they said, Trapper, do you want to try this guitar? <laughs> There's nothing left to this thing. No, there was plenty of DNA and dust left on it for me. But yeah, man, a, 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 just a cool experience. What more is there to say? Yeah, Inspired and a beautiful experience down at Johnny's place. So can I, I can I ask you, um, who does your artwork for all your singles? Do you, um, you... It's, it's just whoever I feel in, like inspired to connect with on a certain project. Because that, I mean, that, that single cover for Long Black Veil is stunning. Like it's okay. so, it's yes. so epic. I'm actually texting the uh, the photographer right now. So give it up to Lucian uh, McGaffey. Um, he does a lot of commercial work uh, in the Milwaukee area, but so I don't mess up his his name. Uh, it's Lucian M C A F E E, and he actually is in a a couple big Hollywood movies as well. But he has a very uh, keen eye for photography and big dramatic things. Yeah. And actually working on a bunch of, of really cool photos right now, which is not something that I ever thought I would be all that interested in. Um, but <clears throat> he is a great photographer and he gets these kind of wacky ideas. And so do I. And I'm like, what if we, you know, and yeah. he, he has a cameras and the experience to pull it off so yeah i have great collaborators in in milwaukee it's a good good place it's also yeah because like i said i mean all your album covers are striking in one way or another they've all got their own personality and they sort of in in, in most ways they capture the sense of the album so i think that's always it's always nice when you meet the right people to be able to bring that sort yeah. of vision to life right so okay well let's so should we get into some 10 questions some uh some tom petty sure. questions all right yeah so Again, it's, it's always the worst question for any fan is, if you have to pick only one album, what's your favorite Tom Petty album? Full Moon Fever? Yeah, done. <laughs> just because of, because of the, the size and scale of it? or Is it neat? That it's just all hits. <laughs> Every song's a hit. Zombie Zoo? No comment. <laughs> okay, Mud Crutch or The Traveling Wilburys? Mulberries, hands down. So did you ever see did you ever see Mudcrutch perform or I did not. No, I've never seen them. Um and honestly, I don't know much of it. Yeah. So I you know, I'm I'm a Mulberries guy though for sure. I'm always curious about like the the American listeners, right? I mean, everyone knows everyone knows Bob and everyone knows George and everyone knows Tom, but right. Jeff Lynn? Like, I wonder, because Jeff Lynn's well, sort of the... I'm a guy, so I really love okay. you. So like... that band is actually all of my favorite things put together. <laughs> it's really silly and 
some fun music. Well, and Roy Orbison. I mean, good God. One of the greatest voices of all time, hands down. Um, okay, if you could join the Heartbreakers on stage for one song, what would it be? And would you play and sing or play or sing? I just want to strum along. Just strum along to something like learning to fly. Easy. Windshield wiper. Just real <laughs> in the background, fly on the wall. I've never heard that expression before, windshield wiper. I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> okay, who would you be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers concert? Dream opening act? Um, Interesting. Like John Prine or something. It'd be cool. Just something different, but like Howie out there with him. And Howie's brother actually lives in Milwaukee and he gave me and my brother one of Howie's old leather jackets that he wore to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and stuff. I don't have that with me, unfortunately, but I could I could send you a photograph and you're welcome to post it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, that album, The Missing Years, John Prine's album, The Missing Years, that Howie did, is yeah. another phenomenal. But I'm a, I, I came to John Prine very, very late. There you go, see? Yeah. Showing off my cool Tom Petty's. <laughs> Yeah, no, Prine, I grew up in England. John Prine just didn't didn't land, didn't make a mark. He didn't sort of make any noise over in the UK. So when I discovered his catalogue, I'd say probably about six months before he passed. Again, yeah. it's, it's this great American songwriter with this massive catalogue of, I just like hit after hit after hit. It's like, man, this guy, how many words does this guy have? It, they just flew out of him, you know? Uh, many. He has many words. <laughs> okay. Favorite band member? Other than Tom, Ben Mott. Okay, why? Because that's that's always interesting when people say Ben rather than Mike. I'm always curious. Crawling back to you. The piano intro. Yeah, it's something else. Say eh? when you again. I when you watch that Wildflowers documentary and you see Ben Mott just sitting at the piano playing, and he can play stride piano and he can jam out, he can play anything you want. He can play boogie woogie, whatever you want. But yeah. just to strip that right back and pull it all back, just to play. Only exactly as many notes as need to be played. It's that I say is that that economy thing that you were referencing earlier. I always love it too. Yep. So if you could go to see any Tom Petty concert from history, one that you weren't at, obviously, uh, which one Live would Aid. you pick? Live Aid. Okay. And I didn't even see these questions. I printed them yeah. off, but I forgot <laughs> them. I'm, I'm getting straight A's though. Live Aid, just because that was my first exposure to Tom Petty. When he was dressed in that goofy suit and yeah, so I'd go for that. Well, I suppose too. That's it's a good hack because then you get a whole bunch of other artists as well, right? It's a good. <laughs> okay, so you've recorded Walls, um, mm. but which is your favorite version, Walls Circus or Walls Number Three? With uh, Lindsey Buckingham, Walls Circus, which which is interesting because I was going to. I was going to comment on that though, Trapper, because you obviously your version of Walls is again very stripped back. It's quite mellow yeah. and it's just got that sense of it. But you use the lyric from the circus version. You know, I'm going to get you back someday. Yeah. You use that that line instead of the one from Walls Number Three, which is I'm coming back someday. Which again, that that one line that change it changes the whole meaning of the whole verse. But so I was kind of interested in the fact that you did it in more of a stripped back arrangement, but with the with the big line. You know, that's one of those songs that I feel like I've listened to so much, I don't even have to listen to it anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those early Bob Dylan tunes. 
like on times they are changing and and all that i mean it's just like i feel like it's like tom petty's music it's just in the air we breathe it's sometimes do you ever too get that sense of when you listen to something like walls or you know refugee or the waiting or some of those songs or you listen to dylan like highway 61 or ballad of a thin man you think how does, how does one person write something that freaking good, man? Like, it's just... Like, Highway 61 Revisited is an album, and this is not, obviously... Hey, we're petty adjacent. It's Bob Dylan. That album, when I put that on, when I put my put it on my vinyl turntable, every single time, it blows my mind that one guy wrote all those songs and recorded them in, what, like, two days? Yeah. Well, I mean, he read the Bible. He read Shakespeare. He grew up with a wild fascination, and um, he he wanted to say something that's it yeah like get it okay if you could pick any artist to cover any tom petty song who would it be and what song would they cover you know what would be cool is like warren zevon doing some tom petty i don't know what specifically but maybe like some stripped down version of Refugee, say, or maybe like one of those big hits, like Won't Back Down. Um, Warren just has, he can like bring you into a very intimate small space. I feel like could could do well with those tunes. Yeah, someone else, I can't remember who it was, but one of my other guests said Warren Zevon. I think someone else name checked him as well for, for that exact same reason. So, you know, there's a current, there's a current in the air there. Um, so what song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know Tom's music? Everyone knows his music, right? <laughs> you know, I, I will go back to um, Full Moon Fever. I think it's his like most iconic statement as an artist. And I think he he knows that as well, which is why he plays those tunes. Um, everyone loves them. Yeah. Well, when Free Falling comes on, even though, as you said, it's like walls, you've heard it a million times. It's just imprinted in your brain, but you never turn it off. Yeah. Because <laughs> you always want to hear Free Falling, right? Correct. Okay, so describe Tom Petty in three words. I yeah, I mean I've said it before. Um, well, he has attitude. Attitude is number one. I love that. He's like stands up for the little man. Uh, he has attitude. He has. Uh, he has this this philosophical quality to his music, this like understated, simple, philosophical bedrock, for lack of a better way of saying it. His songs have a lot of sage wisdom and advice within them. So I yet say like philosopher and he just rocks. Tom Petty rocks. So <laughs> that one for the big final three. Well, that's. That isn't important too, right? Because when you go down and you go to an arena tour, a stadium tour, you want to you want to bring the energy up. I've never understood like going seeing I don't know, like I'm going to drop a name that it's probably unfair, but someone like Chantal Kraviazuk, I'm sure is amazing live, but in an arena setting, now I, I want I want energy. That's why you know I've seen Foo Fighters four times, and say what you like about Dave Grohl's a live vocalist, that band, it's a party atmosphere in that room when you're in the room with those with oh, those five six guys. It's yeah. insane, you know. Yeah. And I never saw Tom Petty live, but I've heard everyone says that they just put on a fantastic show. So so was that the only time you saw him then was 2017? 2017. And then it was like a few months later, he, yeah. he passed. And that, I mean, that made such a 
wild um, imprint on me, his passing. And then my band got offered to do a bunch of Tom Petty tribute shows. So we do like 45 minutes of our music and then do like an hour and a half of the hits. Yeah. And um, that's something I would love to do more of. So listeners out there, you're going to have a 50th birthday coming up. Why not have the greatest Tom Petty tribute band there ever was? Uh, what are we calling it? We said Petty Adjacent. There you go. <laughs> That'd be perfect. And I can sprinkle some of my tunes that Tom inspired early on. And then we'll do the hits. But I mean, lot, most of your music or a, a hell of a lot of your music fits within it anyway, right? Because it's like you said, it's yeah. got so many of the same bones that if you're going to play one of your tracks and then play a Tom song, they're not going to, it's not going to be jarring. You know, if you're going to play like, I don't know, Settling or Sleeping Around a Lost Cowboy from Rangers and Valentine's, that fits, that'll work. Yeah, man. I was going to say too, on that album, I was I was listening to um, a Talking Girlfriend Blues, which I love because it's that nod back to Bob Dylan, but it, it's the thing that, do you, are you a Todd Snyder fan? Do you listen to Todd Snyder at all? I love Todd Snyder. I think he is fantastic. Yeah, and so it's got that sense to it right? because he adds in a little bit to Dylan's old blues kind of things that he used to do, so... So I, yeah. I noticed, are you going on tour in Europe coming up? Yes, soon? so come on out and see me. Um, first, I'll be, I don't know when this airs, but I'm doing scattered dates around the Midwest. Like if you live in Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Madison, that area I play all the time. So just find me on whatever social media if you want to be friends. And I play all the time. And I try to go to Europe once a year if possible. And yeah, we're going to Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, Sweden uh, in March. So come and find me there. Do you enjoy that? Do you like being on the road? Yeah, yeah, I love it. We're actually going to do one Tom Petty tribute in Sweden. Um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the uh, the name of the venue. Um but that will be that will be a very fun in Sweden. So awesome, man! And we, any more albums coming up? You seem to you seem to, be able to knock them out. On, I'm working on something that's a little more country inspired. Um, right now, I'm I'm just writing right now, and you know, I see something off down at the end of the street, but I'm just I'm just moving slowly and with caution. Um. But I, I have some dates, studio dates sort of booked. So, yeah, yeah you know what I mean, though? You kind of have to have some a deadline to work towards. Yeah, I certainly do, yeah. And I noticed, too, when I was on your website looking, and we should tell people, go to uh, Tra Trapper's website. you got vinyl on there because I'm a vinyl nerd. Yeah. That's always like, okay. I have, well, I have a ton in my basement, too. So if you want to come, like, just straight up, I can just buy the bucket load. <laughs> yeah, I get some vinyl. Um for all your listeners, too, we'll do like a 40% deal on my band camp. We'll say uh, Wildflowers is a discount code. So 40% off and you'll get uh, all my different vinyl on my band camp for a nice discount. So fantastic. Okay, well, that's been an absolute blaster. Yeah, what I mean, what more could I possibly share? We've talked about the jacket. We've talked about this fantastic shirt um which is actually a cutoff oh nice kind of sick <laughs> from the uh the true confession story yeah so 
Yeah, whenever I see Bob or, or like Tom Petty stuff out in the wild, my partner works in vintage too. It is a uh, it is a secure immediately sort of situation. So it's always, not, it's always nice when you when you do happen across, and I don't happen across it very often in Saskatoon, but when you see someone else wearing Tom Petty stuff, there's just that quick little, hey, nice, little, you know, everyone just the thumbs up or whatever. It connects you straight away, right? So, yeah. But I would say to my listeners too, please do go check out everything that Trap has put out because I've I've fallen into this, but yeah, it was about four weeks ago, I sort of, we I connected with you and said, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Um, Through a, a friend who had said, hey, you got you to get Trapper on. So I was like, okay, well, and diving into your catalog, there's so much there. There's so many different looks. There's so many different ideas and and styles and different you know instrumentation. You put, like, like there's different there's like strings on this and there's like a penny whistle or something like the the Irish thing. And it's like, what does this, there is what does this guy not use? Like, is there everything on there? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a great time, and I will say, let it be said. Tom Petty's music is a good time. And as much as it is, is very deep and has all these philosophical layers, you put on Damn the Torpedoes and you 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 could like drive a car across the country. You know what I mean? It's like so so uplifting and spiritual and has has these beautiful elements to it. So thank you, Tom Petty, for for the gift of song you've given us all. We love you. Yeah, and thanks for thanks to you for keeping real music alive too, because it sometimes feels in modern music that we're losing guitars and we're losing more than three chords and we're losing some of that stuff. So I think artists like you putting this sort of music out and and doing it well, it's always a joy for us for us older people who think that music's maybe dying. So because it isn't. Yeah, totally, totally, it's still happening. So we'll see you out on the road. <laughs>